This is the Dave and Shecky Show. We got this groovy podcast for ya. Reviewing crazy tunes or quoting Twain and Sting and Doom. We'll bring ideas to share like bonus points for extra flair. Cause it's the freaking Dave and Shecky Show. Show. We're bringing you this groovy review. We might preview movies, bake some bread, or drink some smoothies. So come on, have way too much caffeine. You roll up some rivers, I'll reference some Raffi. This is the Dave and Shecky Show. Hello. You know my name. Look up the number. What does that mean? That's an honorable mention. All right, we just that had a whole discussion a about this. That yeah. is a song, yes it is. All right. It's a 45. Uh-huh. It's a B-side. Okay, I think you've mentioned that song before. You know my name, look up the number. Who's that by? That's by the Beatles. I see. That um, is, okay. It's tomfoolery. All right. Anyway, uh, welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to episode uh, number... 59. 58. Uh. Episode number 58 of the Middle Aged Cool Kids Super Terrific Podcast featuring your pals Golan and Globus. <laughs> we can guess who Globus is. I guess it's me. I would hope so. Well, I don't know why you'd hope so. But because Golan ri- rhymes with colon. Uh-huh. And nice. that's me. Okay. Excellent. Uh, welcome. Uh, already. Already. I have no idea what to say. Uh, episode number 58. And we are entitling this Dave on the worst of the best. I got another one for you. Did we're not? Honorable mention. Okay. Can you wait for just a moment? Okay. Today we're going to speak about the worst songs from the quote unquote best bands. Um, We uh, will talk about the worst offerings of some of the most popular bands and Dave will give us his unique perspective on said songs. So, um, of course, as soon as we start rolling, he's got all these honorable mentions that he wants to talk about. Uh, what was the second one that just came to your head? Oh, I forgot it. Uh, all right. I'm sure you will... Oh, it. Revolution Number 9. Re- okay, Dave. Now, what the fuck is that? Dave? What is that, a political piece? Okay. I'm going to stop recording. I'm just saying, is that even a song? Can you get this, whatever this character is? Is that even a song? And I mean, really? kick him right on out of the house? Really? What is that? I, I would prefer Gay Omar to... Wait. Yeah, Dave, that is an SNL reference that I think those dudes were maybe on two or three episodes and oh. no one remembers that. I thought they were on two or three rocks of crack cocaine. They might have been. I don't even know what they're... I don't even know what they were called. I don't know. They were like rich, uh, stuffy, rich people. Yeah, but they were like from you know <laughs> Mozart times. Exactly. They wore powdered wigs and had the drawn-in moles, and I don't even remember anything other than the. <laughs> All right. Well, do not taunt Happy Fun Ball. That That's is a usually, classic. Those, those were the days. Right, but this is not. These are not the days. This is not the best of Saturday Night Live. Oh, that's it a. Is, uh, that's your conundrum. This is... That's it, what's it, what call it? Dave on the worst of the best. All right. Are worst you, of the best. Now, the worst, now is, that, is that good heroin or bad, bad weed? I guess that's up to the viewers to decide. 
Okay. If you uh, allow them to do that. The worst of the best is probably weed with seeds in it. Okay. Dave, thank you for that. Let us let us continue on with All the right. theme of the show. Okay. Shall we? All right. Oh, I just found another one. Oh, well, never mind. Okay. Go ahead. What is, is it? An honorable mention? No. You know what? Know. No. Let's you know start. What? Let's start with our list. All right. I'll get to this mention when I get to the band. That's how I'm going to do it. When I come up with a band, I'm going to say, oh, "By the way, I could have subbed in this one." All right. Are you ready? I'm ready. The, I'm not that band is not the best. This is the okay. This is the song I think that started us on the the path of. We really need to do the worst of the best because uh, you were quite adamant about this one and uh, it, it started everything. Do you remember what song that was? Uh, Sugar Magnolia? No. Uh, Adamant? You said Adamant. Ant people? <laughs> the, verse, the first song we have on our list, and these are in no particular order because... Uh, I can't get Dave to focus long enough to put them in an order. Hey, so this is uh, just an order I wrote down. No particular order. They're all bad. And uh, here we go. The first one is Night Flight from Led Zeppelin. I received a message from my Call us talking about that song? Yes. All right. And why, pray tell, do you think that that is the worst that Led Zeppelin has to offer? Because it's a shit fest. In, in what way? It comes off it's like it's trying to be some sort of like pop anthem or some sort of like, you know, amazing thing with uh -huh. the intro. Uh-huh. The intro is okay. Right. And the vocals, he comes in and he receives a message. What the what? What is he talking about? <laughs> What are we? What are we talking about? He's, what does he? What does he? What does Robert Plant sing about ever? I like Led Zeppelin, but what the fuck is he singing about half the time? Well, wait a second. Do you have a problem with half of Led Zeppelin's song or this one? I'm just one? saying. I have a problem with half of Led Zeppelin, and that's the lyrics. I see. The, the best part of Led Zeppelin was when Jimmy Page wrote the lyrics, and then he's and then Robert Plant said, "Oh, I guess I should write the lyrics." And then after the first album, the lyrics go fucking downhill. Is that true? It is true. Okay. Okay. He relegated the fucking, is that the word? He relegated the goddamn uh, duties to fucking plant and... Um, delegate. Yeah, he delegated. Delgadoated. Delabato. What I'm saying Del is plant plant sabotaged Zeppelin with his kooky lyrics. Okay. So and, is this... The okay, so the, first of all, the kooky lyrics, uh -huh. they, uh, it says, this is like some sort of weird pop song. Uh-huh. And then... It's clear they don't have a song after the intro. All they had was the intro. I see. And then they go, that part, oh, yeah, meet me in the whatever. That's nonsense. It's all nonsense. The recording, the playing on, ugh. it's like they're trying to be some sort of pop song. Ugh. Okay. It, it's, uh, and then playing, his, his groans and moans just out of nowhere because he feels like he has to add something. He's just ruining anything that the song has. Okay. I will say that Wikipedia yeah. 
does not have a separate page just for the song, which is a little telling, but they also refer to this as a country rock romp. This is not a country rock romp. <laughs> country rock romp. <laughs> Dr. Phil is not a doctor. Country and rock this song rock. is not a this country, not rock, country romp. rock This I don't that's what I'm saying. What is it? What the hell is this? It's got some drum fills in it. It's got some organ. It's got it's a it's a mess. There's so much reverb. It's it's really like like did they ever play this song live? Because I bet they didn't. Uh, Maybe they did, but uh, it like, says several tracks from the album became live staples at Led Zeppelin concerts. In particular, in my time of dying, trampled underfoot. Cashmere, Ten Years Gone, Black Country Woman, and Sick Again. Yeah, not this one, though. No, no, no mention of Night Flight from Physical Graffiti, released in 1975. I like that Physical Graffiti album, but you know, when it comes down to it, you got to say that Physical Graffiti is probably their worst album. Okay. With the exception of the amazing album cover, which is the uh, building on St. Mark's between 2nd and 3rd, if I'm not mistaken. Same building that the stoop they used for the video of Waiting on a Friend uh, by the Stones. And then they walk up to the bar, which was St. Mark's Bar on First Avenue and uh, St. Mark's. All right. So are you telling me that... Uh... This song is a shit fest. Okay. Now, is... there's some other Zeppelin songs that might irk you and annoy you, but this, this song is just a miss. I'm, surpr- I'm, I'm literally surprised they left it on the album. It should have been an outtake. It really, it's a miss. It's, it's a miss. It's a total miss for you. I just think it's this, it's, there's nothing good about it. They should they could have played a blues. It would have been better. Physical Graffiti was commercially and critically successful upon its release and debuted at number one on album charts in both the U.S. and the U.K. It's a great album cover. I mean, look at that. It was promoted by a successful U.S. tour and a five-night residency at Earl's Court, London, and has since been viewed as one of the group's strongest albums and the artistic peak of their career. I don't agree. What I, else is on the album? In My Time of Dying? Eh, I don't, that one's a drag, too. That one bums me out. Custard Pie? The Rover. All right. Okay. This is the problem. Uh-huh. I, I feel like they're running out of material at this point. Custard Pie is the first song on the first side. The Rover? The Rover's my, good. Custard in, Pie? Eh. Okay. In My Time of Dying? Yeah. Houses of the Holy. Well, of course. That's, I mean. Trampled underfoot. Okay, this is what I got to say. Okay. Night Flight yes. seems like what they, what they reached on the song Houses of the Holy, they were trying for on Night Flight. That's what I'm, that's what it is. Interesting. And they, they got it on Houses of the Holy with that whole, are you dizzy with your stone line and all that stuff. They were hitting it with the pop there, but not, they missed it on Night Flight. The country rock romp of Night Flight was a miss for you. Uh, number, let's see. So houses of the holy trampled underfoot. Cashmere, in the light. Brawn ear hour. Oh my God! In the light. What the hell? That's one of the best Led Zeppelin songs ever. Okay. And cashmere, of course. So uh, let me just put it this way: this oh. this album has some amazing songs because all albums by Zeppelin have some amazing songs. But I don't think it's their best album. I almost think In Through the Outdoors is a better album, oh. and that's their last album before Coda, which was a best of or a comp- compilation. Okay. So are you are you taking back where you, you think this is the worst of the... No, this is the worst. Okay. Uh, down by the Seaside, 10 Years Gone. And Not the album, the song. No, no, I know. Yeah. Down by the Seaside's cool. 
Night Flight, The Wanton Song. Wanton Song, yeah. Wanton Song, I'm sorry. Boogie and with Stu, Black Country Woman, and Sick Again. Yeah, this album's kind of like... Hits and Misses? It's almost like a cross between Houses of the Holy, the album, and Zeppelin Three, which was more, which was a country romp. Well, you could call you could call Zeppelin Three their most acoustically uh, based album. Can I give you a little knowledge? Drop a little knowledge on you right yeah. now. It was that Night Flight was recorded in January of 1971. Oh, now and it is we see a Led Zeppelin Four outtake. Now we see why was it not good enough for Four, but good enough for Physical Graffiti? Because, like I said, they were running out of material. There you go. I would agree because that's uh, it is the first song on the fourth side. Let me see uh, if there's anything. Else like that. The Rover is a Houses of the Holy outtake. Rover's happening. Houses of the Holy is a Houses of the Holy outtake. I guess it's a different version, perhaps. So Houses of the Holy was 74 or 5? Says May of 72. 72. God damn, they're prolific motherfuckers. Do you realize what Led Zeppelin did between 1969 and 1970 fucking 2? I guess a lot, apparently, God according damn. to you. What uh, the fuck? The, what year did fucking Led Zeppelin 4 come out? 1971? Are you kidding me? Four albums in two years that are the fucking staples of rock and roll? Oh, my God. Okay. Down by the Seaside, also a Zeppelin 4 outtake. Uh, Braun Ear R. Am I saying that right? I always just call it Braun R. Stump. Okay. Braun R. Stump. All right. All uh, I know is it's got the heavy kick drum and the hi-hat in there. That, 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 that also, is a Zeppelin three outtake. That's a Zeppelin three. See what I'm saying? That uh-huh. sounds like Zeppelin three. They ain't fooling no one. Boogie with Stu, Zeppelin four outtake. See what I'm saying? This album is all outtakes except for the good cuts. What, Cashmere wasn't an outtake. They actually had a song, right? Cashmere uh, recorded between January and February of 1974. Not an outtake. See how smart I am? Fuck uh, you. Not okay. you. You. <laughs> Well, fuck, we'll get right back. Uh, let's see. The song Black Country Woman is a houses, like an outtake. houses of the Holy Outtake. Let me tell you what isn't an outtake. Okay. In the Light. It's not on this album. Yes, it is. It's on Physical Graffiti. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. In the Light is not an outtake. Yeah. You know why? Because it's strong like a motherfucker. Okay. They should just made this album a 45 with Cashmere and In the Light. Okay. Thank you. All right. What about Houses of the Holy? It should have been on Houses of the Holy. What the fuck did they have an album called Houses of the Holy? And the goddamn <laughs> song's not even on the album. It's not? No. Oh, that's ridiculous. Yeah, okay. It's called Retarded. It is Retarded. Okay. All right. Well, so your your pick is... Houses of the Holy. That's a fucking great album. Your pick is Night Flight. And it was an outtake from Zeppelin Four, So you were 100% dead on with that so that congratulations on good. that day thank you i appreciate that that song's not good enough to be on an album well shame yeah. on you jimmy page all right so that's that... why i see heroin gets to you that for a while oh is that a thing that is a thing and a th- by 1975 it was definitely a thing i see is he using that to uh explain away his by 1977 it was really a thing What's uh, that? nothing nothing just mentioning the 14 year old anyway hey uh, he dabbled re- in the darkness i don't know what to tell you yeah i think there a lot of people are dabbling in darkness I okay i'm gonna tell you that it doesn't affect the fact that the music's stellar okay let's uh let's not get political with this i'm just saying the worst part of led zeppelin is definitely robert plant all right and he's still pretty good 
He's very good. Yeah. All right. Are you ready for uh, number two on the on the list? Yeah. Again, it is in no particular order. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm still blown away that that <clears throat> that night flight was an outtake. That's just. Well. God, when I heard it on the radio, I was just like, something is off on this song. Let's see really how right you are about the other ones. Up. I know. Just right. let's. It's time to move on. This one's not an outtake. I can tell you that much. All right. Let's let's not spoil it. All right. <laughs> Our uh, second on the list is Grateful Dead, Far From Me. Far From Me from the 1980 album, Go To Heaven. Uh, yeah, I'm going to agree with you on that one. Let me tell you something. Uh-huh. You know, this album, I'm fucking, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Well, <laughs> I don't know what that means. Uh, I was just talking a little jive at you. Oh, no, what I I'm speak saying, jive. What I'm saying, yes. What I'm saying is, when I was 14. Yes. I loved The Grateful Dead. Okay. Now, this album came out. Uh-huh. And, you know, I tolerated the fact that Phil Lesh ruined a few songs along the line here and there. Uh-huh. But the Grateful Dead had two singers. Uh-huh. So it's either Jerry or Bob Weir. Right. And then this happens. And I don't know what this is. Because he sounds like a faggy Michael McDonald. And it sounds like the song's like some kind of like Eagles wannabe shit. Well, the song was written and performed by Brent Midland. Ugh, what did he fucking <laughs> hold their head? Did you have a gun to their heads? Honestly, if to me, if the if the lyrics, if the writers of the song aren't Garcia and Hunter, I uh, most likely I'm not going to be a fan. This is what happens to groups, and it happens usually in the 80s. It mm-hmm. happened to Zeppelin in the 70s. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but... They run out of material. Mm-hmm. And that's why these songs suck, because the bands run out of material and they have an obligation to make recording contract, to make a record, because they are under contract with the labels. This is the 11th record. This, this album has some great songs on it. This one, and there's another one by him on here that also ruins the album. Uh, what was that called? Easy to Love You. Ugh. Dude, he should have gone to heaven before the album. <laughs> I think the only, uh, let's see, the only songs I really know, uh, I guess, Feels Like a Stranger. Althea. Althea's a staple. Althea. And I, I really do love Don't Ease Me In. But Come I on, see Alabama Getaway. Uh, yep. Alabama Getaway, Far From Me, Althea, Feel Like a Stranger, Lost Sailor, Saint of Circumstance, Antwerp's Placebo, Easy to Love You, and Don't Ease Me In. Don't Ease Me In sounds to me like a Jerry Garcia song. It's a, I mean, like a Jerry Garcia band song. 
he is the singer and it is actually um a traditional song that they rearranged so yeah and uh which i kind of love when they do that this uh this album's all right but it really it's kind of ruined by brent midland and oh also this is like when they start using some synthesizer shit like synthesizer starts sneaking into the grateful dead right around this time okay and it's just like it's not uh, it's not part of their sound well it, it it, does it just re- sneak into the records or was it on stage too? yeah it started getting on stage too before oh, you know it jerry was playing uh, midi guitar then they would have Branford Masalis up there playing some shitty jazz sax to the dead, which he's a great jazz player, but the, it doesn't, it didn't. The dead doesn't lend it itself to that. It starts making the dead not sound like the dead. I want the dead to sound like fucking, you know, 1970s dead. Yeah, uh-huh. Not, not some fucking shit fest. And then they've got Bruce Hornsby in there. The problem with the dead was like they couldn't hold on to a keyboard player. They all died. <laughs> they were the Grateful Dead. I mean, yeah, they were like the drummers in Spinal Tap or the keyboard players in the Grateful <laughs> Dead. Literally is true. Every look, they got you got Pigpen. Uh-huh. Um, he died. Then you had Keith Godshaw. He died. Uh-huh. Then you had Brent Midland. He uh-huh. died. Then you had Vince Welnick from the Tubes. He died. What are they dying of? Is there a murderer? Heroin. Is there a murderer in the Grateful Dead? You think? Yeah, his name a is Heroin. Oh, okay. I thought maybe it was a serial killer that's uh, somehow killing off. So it's like the the greatest mystery. Has any has any uh, keyboardist died after Jerry passed away? Oh, uh, we might be onto <clears> something here. Maybe Vince. Oh. Maybe Vince was before. I'm not sure. Well, it dep- if if he is before the Jerry was a then Jerry killer. was a serial killer. If he was after, it, then it could be Phil Lesh. Didn't someone say that they thought he was uh, the uh, Zodiac killer or something? Who? Phil Lesh? No, Jerry Garcia. Someone was saying he was a serial killer <laughs> recently. Is that true? Yeah, it's probably not true. Somebody I somebody posted something on Twitter where uh you know how the Zodiac killer had the the kind of like picture of all these symbols where you use the, the where you look at the symbols on the first line and you use the whole pictograph as some sort of code. The first line is spells out Bernie Sanders. I mean, it, and it really does. I mean, it could probably spell out other things, but it does spell out Bernie Sanders, so it's kind of hysterical. Anyway, um, so you heard it here, folks. Uh, Jerry Garcia or Phil Lesh. I will not. I will not put it on Bob Weir. No. I would be most surprised if Jerry Garcia was a serial killer, but I would not be I think so it's surprised. Hart. I would not be so surprised if it was Phil Lesh. Mickey Hart. Well, you did have that uh, that chance meeting with Mickey Hart, and it did not go well. So, our number two, worst of the best, far from me. Shitfest. By the Grateful Dead. Shit sandwich. Okay. Now, number three, uh, I decided we needed a Kiss song. You don't know Kiss songs very well, do you? Some of them. Yeah, but you probably think all Kiss songs are shitty. What do you got? I don't know that you're going to know this one at all, but uh, for our Kiss entry, I picked Shandy.
So, Shandy, uh, <laughs> I can see by your face that you, you probably agree that it's terrible. I don't know if you think it's the worst one, but according to Wikipedia, Shandy is a hit single by American hard rock band Kiss, released on their 1980 album Unmasked. The song was popular in Australia, where it reached number five on the Australian charts. The song would prove to be a hit in other countries as well, making the top ten in three other countries. It peaked at number 47 on the U.S. Right. Billboard Hot 100 charts. What, when, what year did this song come out? Uh, I believe it came out in 1980. This was... Uh, what year did Oh Mandy come out by Barry Manilow? Yes, I think it, I think he fell asleep in the next door, and his <laughs> brother was writing a song, and he woke up with that melody in his head. So you, th- how is it a ripoff? Is it, uh, like, is it the chords or just the? I don't know. The play, name? play Shandy again, so I can get just the beginning. No more. It's fucking absurdly terrible. His fucking accent is awful. And then how does the uh, Mandy start? I'm a never never die. I just can't pretend no more. I'm a never never die. It's just Paul Stanley being tone deaf and ripping off Mandy. Right. Unfucking believable. Paul Stanley is one of the least talented musicians ever. Honestly, I, I agree with that. He's, He's uh, take a look at his fucking uh, Folgers in your cup commercial. Okay, I put, don't put that up because that's that. Just look at what I'm talking about. This is your wake up call. Time to reach. Go for it all. Folgers stirs inside of me, and I know what I can be. Limit is the sky. <laughs> That's I some of the funniest shit I've ever seen in I, my life. Oh, I just can't with him. Oh, I just the can't. The furly with him. shirt. Yeah, he's. Uh, mm. 
He's talentless. I... Anyway, I really feel like Shandy is a blatant ripoff of Mandy. I can't even believe he didn't change the... He has a... I don't... Shandy, Mandy, and the melodies are similar? Let me just... Yes, I'll just say this. I had been a Kiss fan since I was very little. Uh, ridiculously so. Uh. And so... For me, with all I, my knowledge of Kiss kind of ends with Revenge. I, I really gave zero shits about them after uh, Ace and uh, Peter Chris left. But it, it is when somebody asked me, and they don't really that often, but when somebody says, what is the worst Kiss song? This one is just right into my head uh, immediately. It's awful. He's terrible. The album has some okay songs on it this is not one of them it's horrible and and you know what the really sad thing is there are people i guess in australia who named their kid shandy as a result of this song weirdos oh my god so if you're out there and you're listening and your name is shandy i'm sorry i'm sorry that's not a bad song no uh I could, we could do a show on Barry Manilow because that guy is a prolific genius. Mandy's much better than Copacabana, I'll tell you that much. Oh, I don't. We, well, you know what? Barry Manilow, not on the list. So we're, let, let's not discuss him any further than we have to. So number three, that was my, uh, my contribution to this list because I only know shitty music. Kiss and Shandy. Ready? Uh-huh. Okay. So number four on our list is The Who. How can you do it alone? is off of Face Dances, which was the ninth studio album by the English rock band The Who. Yeah. I don't mind Face Dances so much, but now this is the first album after Keith Moon had passed away. Oh, okay. So this doesn't sound like The Who. It just doesn't sound like The Who. There's nothing, it's very controlled. It's very contrived. It's very studio-esque. It's tight. It's in the pocket, and it doesn't sound like The Who. That's the first problem. Uh-huh. Second problem is the lyrics to the song are, are weird. They just uh, they're not they're not good. Uh-huh. Like what is it? Some 30-year-old guy looking at someone in his 50s and trying to relate to him? I don't I don't know what the hell it is. Well, maybe it's uh, some pedophile. No, it's not. There's no oh. pedophile nothing there. It's I just see. this is just a mid- midlife crisis miss. I see. It's a miss. 
So you, this is a rare time where you will say that uh, Pete Townsend had a miss. Well, he could have gotten away with it on a <laughs> if Pete. It wasn't Town- for those meddling Pete, kids on a Pete Townsend album. Oh, sorry, uh huh. But not, not as a Who album because you could listen to uh, Scoop, which is the Pete Townsend demos, mm-hmm. and there's a version of this on that, and it's better. Oh, really? It's not great, but it's better. Interesting. Uh, actually, there's also demo version of Did You Steal My Money, which I think is better than the album version. I kind of feel like Daltrey misses the boat on some of these songs. Okay. And then the and then Missing Keith Moon. It's just, this is another example of the 1980s and, and bands kind of running out of material. Now, I don't think Townsend was running out of material, but I think he was running out of who material. I see. Yeah. He had a lot of stuff he could have done for his own thing. But this this is not it. This is like, I don't know. It, the whole album is kind of uh, a little rough. I mean, even like Athena, it's kind of a jive-ass tune. I mean, I could have easily picked that one. It's kind of a, a shit tune, really, isn't it? Athena? Well, well I mean, it's, it's... It's it's like the who light, really. Is it, I'm just a boy, I'm just a man. Yeah, what the fuck is that? But the, what album is that from? The same album. No, no, no. That's no, from it's, it's Hard. Okay. And that's right after Face Dances. And It's Hard is hard. It's it's harder than it's harder to get into than Face Dances, although it has one or two songs. It, Kenny Jones was not the right drummer for The Who. Why did they pick him, do you know? Because he was like their mate from back in the day because ah. he was in the Small Faces and he was a mod. I see. So he was from that same culture. And, you know, he's not a bad drummer. They had used him in 1975 on, on Tommy's soundtrack. But, but he is not a good fit. He wasn't a real good fit. He wasn't bombastic enough. Definitely, that's it. He's not, he wasn't, he's like an R&B, English R&B drummer. He wasn't a rock, he wasn't like a, 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 a bombastic rock drummer. How long did he stay with them? I think he stayed with them, what, 79 to maybe 83. So they just kept on pushing him even though they yeah, and I think Daltrey never liked him, perhaps. Uh, not that he didn't like him, but didn't like him as the drummer for The Who. Well, there you go. Uh-huh. Well, I, and you agree with Roger Daltrey? I guess, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's one of those, uh, That's that song is just... Mm. No good. It's okay. It's just not, it's not there. It's it's like the, it's, I'd have to say it's one of their worst songs. Well, this is the worst of the best. Yeah, it really is not. That whole... Beneath his coat, he was naked and wet. Ew. What are you talking about? What? what a, who needs to hear that? In a song. For it's just, yeah, it's, it's another, ugh, what is that? That's even, that sounds like shitty poetry. Yeah, and Townsend's a genius, but that one just misses for me. Well, uh, I agree. This sounded terrible to me. and uh, It's not worthy of being on a Who album. No, but if it's the first album after... Uh, Keith Moon's untimely demise. Well, I mean, could it be a, a, a song about Keith Moon? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't know what it is. Well, it's it's shit apparently. Yeah. According to you. I think so. That was our number four. The Who. How can you do it alone? Number five, on our list. Are you ready? Yeah. Is. Steely Dan, Brooklyn owes the charmer under me.
Brooklyn owns the Charmer Under Me from 1972. Can't buy a thrill. Uh, that song sounded terrible. Yeah, you know what the problem with that song I is? I feel like Beavis is butthead. Uh, uh, uh. That song was should have been for a play that didn't exist about Brooklyn. An off-Broadway play that, that you know was written in 1968. And then... Uh, it could have been the music for a play that never got made. That would have been good. Because it has no place in... It's not a rock song. The singer is terrible. He's David, horrible. David Palmer. Let's palm that shit up his ass. He sucks. Oh, shit. And why a song about... what? Why would a song about Brooklyn have a prominently featured pedal steel? Pedal steel has nothing to do with Brooklyn. Nothing. Are you saying that this is a country rock romp by Steely Dan? <laughs> no, oh. that's it's it's a sh- it's it sounds like off Broadway music. It sounds like Broadway music, like a musical. It sounds like someone's writing a musical about Brooklyn. A race of angels bound with one another. Really? Is that what Brooklyn is? Because I don't think that's what Brooklyn ever was. <laughs> When I this don't song was know. written, Brooklyn was a fucking slum. This is, Brooklyn wasn't hip in 1969 or 70 when this was written. I mean, when was this written? 71? It's a shit song. And let me tell you something. They have a, a Steely Dan before they were Steely Dan outtakes of, of their songs. And they've got better songs that they never used that weren't even on an album. That's better than this. Let me just say, Rob Sheffield... Uh, in the Rolling Stone album guide put out in 2004, regarded this record as mellow folk rock that was softened by Palmer, who sounds like he's nervous about where his wallet is. <laughs> <laughs> That's, oh, there you go. That such, That's true. So random. and, and <laughs> He's terrible, this guy. Well. I mean, Donald <laughs> Fagan was ashamed of his voice, so he didn't want to be the lead singer. But listen to this one and then listen to Fire in the Hole. Fire in the Hole sounds like Steely Dan. It's Steely Dan. It, it, it's just Steely Dan. As is Real and in the Years. Or do you not think Real oh, and in really the Years? Real and in the Years is some genius. Yes. It's fucking timeless. Jimmy Page said that was his favorite guitar solo at the time. And Do It Again. Also, do it again. a Amazing. Fagan uh, sung song. So they, they had the formula. They just didn't know it. Yeah, I guess not. I guess not. Yeah, uh, David Palmer, man, that guy could not sing. And he, he's better off on 24, if you know what I'm saying. On 24. Oh, the president on 24. Uh, okay, uh, can uh, was this David Palmer's last album, or did he continue to ruin uh, uh, Steely Dan let records? Let me see now. I think this is his last album. Yes, this is the only album with him, I believe. Oh, it's just the one. Okay. This is the thing. Steely Dan had this guy, mm-hmm. and they had Jim Hodder, the drummer. Yes. Who... Who also, sang was Midnight not, Cruiser. Okay, so that is also a mistake. I was going to pick that as the worst. Oh, singer, okay, <laughs> but I kind of like the lyrics a little bit. I see. Um, and also, then I was also going to pick Dirty Work as the worst tune. Okay. So essentially, Dirty Work, Midnight Cruiser, and Brooklyn Owes the Charmer, I think, are the worst Steely Dan tunes ever. Okay, Dirty Work is a semi minor hit, I guess, because I've heard that one. This one I have not heard. Yeah, I'm a fool to do your Dirty Work. That's cool. You know, it has. It has a moment there where it's getting into the Steely Dan thing. But uh, 
Is there a song called Kings or something on that album? Yes, there is. Number three on side one is Kings. Yeah, that's good. Lead vocal, uh, Donald Fagan. Oh, Donald Fagan's the shit, man. If you, he, anything with Steely Dan without him, it's not Steely Dan. That's why I'm not even going to bother with the, the songs that Walter Becker has ruined, you know, post-1990 with, with his vocals. So there's Steely Dan songs that have him singing instantly. They're the worst Steely Dan song. I'm just not even going to include that. So this is the first Steely Dan record? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I was going to say there's somebody here from BBC Music said that the album was so fully formed that you would scarcely believe that it's their debut. Yeah, this is the thing with this. Though, Tightly man. constructed songs with dazzling hooks, clever cryptic lyrics, and vocals that offer teasing critiques for that. True. For those that want them. There's just a few songs that shouldn't have been on there because he didn't sing the lead vocals. Right, okay. And they had the drummer, Jim Hodder, who was not really good enough to be their drummer. So they got Jeff Percaro to be second drummer. So then, oh, and then they got rid of Jim Hodder, and they got rid of David Palmer, and then they had... Um, Jeff Percaro and Jim Gordon playing drums on the next album, which I believe is Pretzel Logic. Am I mistaken? Wait, no, no, no. Can't Buy a Thrill, Countdown to Ecstasy, Pretzel Logic. Countdown to Ecstasy is the next record that came out in 1973. And that does have the double drumming on it, uh, I believe, of uh, Percaro and Gordon. Which so, is a major upgrade from Jim Hodder. I would say that this this album has the worst of and some of the best of mm-hmm. of the band. So that's interesting. Yep. All right. <clears throat> nice. Uh, nice. Reeling in the years and my old school. Those are masterpieces. My old school. I don't see on here. That's no, on Countdown to Ecstasy. Oh, I, I think the guitar play on my <clears throat> old school is fucking amazing. I, I mean, I think Do It Again, Reeling in the Years, uh, You Know You Don't Like Dirty Work, and Midnight Cruiser, but all of those are all, as far as I know, hits, some way bigger than others, of course. Yeah. Uh, but still, for a first record, especially of this kind of music, to have those kind of uh, hits on it. If they had just sorted out the lead vocal thing before the album came out and had Fagan sing all the lead vocals, it would have just been a way better album. Yeah. And actually, when that song started, I, I and then the singer started, and I was kind of like, I was turned off, and then I said, I wonder if this would be better if Michael McDonald sang it. <laughs> Probably. So that's like, that was literally the first thought that came to my, my mind. Because I thought the music was good yeah, in the yeah. background. Yeah, the intro is not bad. Yeah. But the singing is a downer, bro. The song's a melancholy piece of shit. Okay. Are we ready to go to the mm-hmm. next one, or you still want to talk about no. uh, Steely Dan and Brooklyn owes the charmer under me? That was our number five. Are you ready for our number six? Yeah. Now, our number six, I will say that we kind of separated a little bit. Oh, okay. I had suggested one, but you were quite adamant about another song. Yeah, what is it? Our number six is Van Halen. And Dave's pick for the worst of the best is Why Can't This Be Love? Yeah.
So, I I personally think most of the Sammy uh, Hagar years are awful. They're just cheesy, poppy, uh, not very manly. I always thought of Van Halen uh, as like a manly group. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Even even with them dressed in spandex, uh, even with David Lee Roth with uh, better hair than even Farrah Fawcett at times, I felt like their songs were sung by men about being men. Manly stuff. Running with the devil. You know, just kind of like, I'm, I'm a guy and I am running with the devil. And then for me, Sammy Hager comes in and just, I don't know, he girls up the band somehow for me. What, why, why did you pick this song? Yeah, it's terrible. It's just a horrible <laughs> pop song. It's, it's like they abandoned everything that they, they had and went for a radio success. Yes. It's, it's a radio formula, terrible song. It's Sammy Hagar cheese. It is so cheesy. It's cheesy. The, it's corny. The music's corny. It's blatantly trying to be uh, pop. There's five seconds where it's good, and that's where it goes to a different key, and it's a guitar solo instrumental section in the middle of the song. That's the only good part of the song, and then it goes back to the shit. And you hear the thing on the radio. It's like they were back in the day. They're like, oh, the new Van Halen album's coming out. And everyone was into Van Halen because of 19, I mean, because of uh, 1984. Uh-huh. That album was huge. Yes. And it... It had still some good stuff on it. Yep. But Jump was so, in my opinion, horrible. Yes. And then to follow it up with this, it was just like, oh, well, Van Halen's just crap. They're crap now. Well. They turned into complete crap. And on top of it, David Lee Roth's album came out. And it was amazing. It was amazing. It fucking stepped on anything Van Halen had ever done anyway because the musicianship was better. The drumming was better, the bass playing was better, and the fucking guitar playing was just as good in a lot of ways. Yes. Steve Vai was... Uh, and the songs were amazing. So what the fuck? That album, Eat Him and Smile, kicked Van Halen in the ass. I agree 100%. And uh, I will say that... Uh, I have a, a... Jump is kind of one of those songs that... It's, especially if you're a diehard Van Halen black t-shirt wearing uh, dude, you're going to be like, hey, that's a little poppy. And you know what? It is a little poppy, but it's it's not nearly as bad as Why Can't This Be Love, where you have a Ugh. dude almost begging some chick, why, why can't, why won't you love me? And it's just like, David Lee Roth would never beg a chick in any song why won't you love me? He opened his uh, his first <laughs> solo album with Tobacco Road. Yeah. It's a cover, man. It's a badass song. It's a fucking... It's... I gotta be honest, it, man. It's basically running with the... It's like you can see that's what influenced running with the devil. That kind of shit. Whatever you think about uh, DLR, whether you love him or you hate him, whether you knew him or not, um, or still know him or not, regardless of all of that, his songwriting was superior... Uh, in every way in every way he was 
definitely the best and only fit for that band. Van Halen was a unique band. We, what band was like Van Halen when they came out? When Van Halen came out, what band was really that really not one? No, no one and they like started a, a generation. Uh, you know, it's funny. They are not hair a hair band. They just happen to have gorgeous hair, but their hair helped start a generation of yeah. music. <clears throat> called hair bands so it's it's kind of interesting um but honestly uh anything with sammy makes me cringe because if you listen to the lyrics they're just they don't make you think he's not very intelligent he's not uh, he's not a man's man he's he he's he thinks like a 16 year old boy who's just really hoping that someone will like him where DLR walks in and sings the song that he, because he's the guy everybody wants to be. And Sammy uh, Hagar yeah. wrote, I Can't Drive 55. Dude, okay. I, it's, it's a, based. It's a novelty song. Yeah, it's based on him driving back from a concert to his place in upstate New York. He got pulled over going 69. I mean, 59. Are you shitting me? And the cop said, around here, we take it five miles over the speed limit. And he said, well, I can't drive 55. And it's not like he was driving 120. Right. He was driving 59. So the motherfucker's a fake jive bullshit artist. Oh, God. 50. I can't, you can't drive 55. Ugh. You know what I mean? He gives the illusion like he was flying down the highway. I can't drive 55. I can drive 59, though. Duh. He was what was he like a Dodge Omni or something? Who knows? It's like you know two in the morning and a cop pulls him over for doing basically sixty miles per hour. Oh, he's so offensive. And then he can't drive fifty five. That's his anthem. The other thing is that I really don't like about Sammy is that he is a purveyor of fake news and he ha- likes to go out there and say how Van Halen did better with him, and it's just not true. It's just not true. And. Uh, I you know. guess if you were born a certain time, maybe you like him more, but woo. Yeah. Well, that's because everything else is shit, so why not like other shit? It was I mean, really bad. It was a bad time for music, for yeah. sure. He can use his voice in pitch better than David Lee Roth, but I don't think he's better than David Lee Roth. No. He, uh, lyrically, absolutely not. No, and, lyrically, uh, absolutely not. Singing, yeah, but actually, but I don't care. I don't. I, no. Technically, he's a better singer, but his singing annoys the shit out of me. Yeah, he's not. He's no fucking um, Steve Perry. He, no, and he he sings this. It's he doesn't fluctuate. He's a yeller. It's all the he same. Can yell in tune. Anyway, so that was your pick for uh, Van Halen's worst of the best. I had another pick. Oh, a little bit mention. <laughs> I have my own honorable mention. Uh, I won't play it. But it's from Van Halen 3, and it's called How Many Say I, and it... Uh, features Eddie on vocals. F- features Eddie on vocals, and it's it's just... Musically, I guess it's okay, but just the, the vocals are terrible, the lyrics are not very good, and, uh, you know, this is coming from an Eddie Van Halen fan, so uh, I will give that the honorable mention. How Many Say I from Van Halen 3... Dave's pick, and the one we will go with, is Why Can't This Be Love from 1986. Yeah, that sucks. Love comes walking in sucks. Fucking uh, 
Finish what you started sucks. Finish what you started. Ugh, music's good. It's lyrics and it's terrible. Yeah. Terrible. It's awful. Music's okay. Good guitar playing on that one. I mean, I, I'll even say that Dave continues to write great lyrics. Um, as as when I was working for Van Halen, uh, what was the name of the record that came out with the train on it? A different kind of truth. A different kind of truth. If you listen to the words of Stay Frosty, they are he he is. Those are amazing lyrics. I like uh, the words. So that's the trouble with never. Dude, <laughs> let's not get into that. But that uh, that Dave is, you know what? Love him or hate him, and I gotta say it because a lot of people uh, are not big fans. Uh, love him or hate him, the guy is brilliant, and that's all I'll say. He's every, a, every Einstein's assigned a Tweedledum and a Tweedledumber. It's dude, David Lee Roth writes lyrics like no other and he is still sharp as attack and venomous in all ways all right so that was our number six moving on are you ready for number seven yeah number seven on our list the worst of the best is the rolling stones and emotional rescue Emotional Rescue is the 15th British and 17th American studio album by the Rolling Stones, released in 1980, fresh off of the success of their prior album, Some Girls. So this is the title track from the album Emotional Rescue, released in June of 1980. Why is it terrible? (laughs) (laughs) Well... I think the vocals are terrible. Uh huh. First of all, this, yeah. there's some sort of weird falsetto, horrible vocals going on there. Some sort of. I don't think this is. A, I don't think they had a song here. Mm-hmm. I don't know what this is. This is like some sort of jam or something. They put this together. I don't know. This is a really good example of them having no material left to to work with. You think so? Yeah. Fucking some girls is good. And and this is terrible. Uh, what else is on this album? Let me just say this. Mick wrote the song on an electric piano, and from the beginning, it was sung in falsetto, similar to Marvin Gaye's lead vocal on his 77 hit, 
got to give it up. Yeah, that's what I was thinking that they were going for on this. And I hate got to give it up. Well, you, I hate Marvin Gaye. I was going to say, you don't like Mar- Marvin Gaye. Got Gay. to give it up, do you? What do you got to give up? Another line of coke? When the song was brought into the studio, they kept the electric piano and falsetto lead with Ronnie Wood on bass and Charlie Watts on drums. They worked out the song. Then they added the saxophone. No. <gasps> Uh, bassist, bass guitarist Bill Wyman plays synthesizer on the record, while Jagger and Ian Stort play electric piano. Wyman's synthesizer can be heard faintly during the verses on the right channel speaker and plays a simple pattern of a few no- notes using a string synth setup. That, and he diddles a 14-year-old girl. Uh, Jack, uh, Jagger said the song was about a girl who's in some sort of manhood problems. Yeah. Called Manhood Problems, a.k.a. Bill Wyman's apartment. Not that she was going crazy, but she's just a little bit screwed up, and he wants to be the one to help her out. I bet it is. Of her diapers. Released as the album's lead single on June 20th, 1980, Emotional Rescue was well received by fans. Lead. This is the lead single off the album. This is is the... You follow up Miss You with this. Other fans of the Rolling Stones' work took note of the change in direction and were disappointed by it. Reaching number nine on the UK singles chart and three in the US, Emotional Rescue became popular enough to feature on all of the band's later compilation albums. What what else is on this album? Despite touring extensively since the song's release in 1980, the Stones had never performed the track in concert until May 3rd, 2013, when the Stones debuted the song in their set list with a slightly different arrangement during the band's first show of the 2013 leg of the 50 and Counting Tour. What did they do? They made it a shuffle? I don't know. Other songs on this album are Dance, Part 1, Summer Romance, Send It to Me, Let Me Go, Indian Girl, Where the Boys Go, Down in the Hole, Emotional Rescue, She's So Cold, I'm So Hot for Her, and All About You. Yeah, there's a couple okay songs on it, but it's not it's not really worthy of an album, I don't think. I don't think this is a good album at all. So you think the whole... <clears throat> and you know... Which, She's so cold, that was forced down our throat. I mean, it's okay, but really, it's kind of shit. It's shitty. It's a shitty song. Okay. Uh, and the, this okay. is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. This is the thing. Yes. Uh, this song, ha- this album has one really good song on it. I can't remember the name of it right this second. Maybe it's, maybe I'm mistaken. Anyway, this is the thing. So they, they some girls, somehow they managed to, to make a great album with some girls. And then they go and they make this album, which has clearly got no material. And then two years later, it's time for them to make another album. And they still have no material. Is that uh, Tattoo You you're talking about? Tattoo You. So they go to Tattoo You, and it's all outtakes from previous albums. And as a result, Tattoo You sounds way better than Emotional Rescue. I see. Because it's music that was recorded in the 70s when they still had their fucking mojo. I see. Waiting on a Friend. Slave, I think it's called. Saint, what is it called? Uh, Saint. Let's see. Slave. Tattoo You has a Slave. Slave, man. Now that, that's a funky groove. And I was, when, I, when that came out, I was like, God damn, that sounds good. Well, yeah, because it was recorded, what, 1975? 
Yes. Slave is written by Mick Jagger and Keith Richards and was originally recorded in Rotterdam, Netherlands, using the working title Vagina, using okay. the Rolling Stones mobile studio in late January or early February 1975. Yeah, they, had, they were good back in 75. So you, this is a chronological insanity. How do you put out emotional rescue and then you go back and put stuff out that was recorded before some girls? The Doesn't track, that seem like sacrilege in a way? The track features Billy Preston on electronic piano and organ. It's fucking funky. The Who's Pete Townsend provides backing provides backing vocals for the recording. I didn't know that. And one of saxophonist Sonny Rollins's three performances uh, one oh, of saxophonists on that one too. One of saxophonist Sonny Rollins' three performances on tracks for the album appeared as well. He's also on uh, Waiting on a Friend and what's the other one? I I, I don't know. Uh Yeah, Tattoo You is a really good album because like I said it's full of material that could have just been on other albums that you know what I mean? Mhm. Yeah. Waiting on a Friend could have been on some girls. Chronologically, it seems like it should have been. Waiting on a friend is on Tattoo You. Waiting on a friend recorded in the 70s, mixed in the 80s. That's why it's it's um, misleading because it sounds like an album from the 80s. So you're saying their outtakes are better than what they had to offer? <clears throat> oh yeah, they should have. They should have gone for these outtakes, and they should Emotional Rescue should have never come out. And the fact that there's 15 albums in England and 17 in America, well, maybe there's two that shouldn't have just that they they were had to make under obligation, but they had no material. And Emotional Rescue is one of them. All right, I agree. Emotional Rescue is a is a terrible song. Yeah, and they got other terrible songs too. I mean, but. I won't even get into Keith Richards singing. That's a whole thing. All right. Well, don't get into it then. Yeah. Do you have anything else to say? Nope. Uh, okay. That was number seven on our list, Emotional Rescue. Now, number nine on our list. Okay, but on. we have to do number eight. Number eight on our list, I am going to guess you will uh, be met with some disagreement from the people out there. We will be able, we will give you your say. Uh, number eight, the Allman Brothers, Ramblin' Man. Man, a country rock romp. Yeah. Okay. Why? It is a. It is almost the anthem of of theirs, right? I guess. I mean, they have a few songs that are like staples, and I would say this is one of them. And so, why, in your opinion, Dave, is this the worst of the best? 
Because the Almond Brothers are one of the most jamming best bands ever. Mm-hmm. And this song is a pop shit fest. Oh. This song was a demo that was supposed to be used for Marshall Tucker. And they turned it down, and some reason, Almond Brothers got stuck with it. It's, it's, it's contrived. The lyrics suck. The singing sucks. It sounds like he's fucking Kermit the Fro- Southern Kermit the Frog. It's not what the Almond Brothers are about. The Almond Brothers are about the blues and jamming. This is not blues. This is this is pop country weirdness. I was born a rambling man, were ya? Yeehaw! It's fucking ridiculous. Rambled. This is not Statesboro Blues. This is not fucking uh, Whipping Post. Whipping Post. Not uh, whip uh, the Whipping Post. In memory of Elizabeth Reed. This? Ugh. Totally out of... Derek Trucks... Is, I mean, Butch Trucks said he, he never wanted... He would be happy if he never heard this song ever again. Well, that didn't happen, and look what happened to him. Ramblin' Man is a song by American rock band The Allman Brothers Band, released in August of 1973 as the lead single from the group's fourth studio album, Brothers and Sisters. One second. Also... Okay. Thematically, uh-huh. complete ripoff of Freebird. Written and sung by guitarist Dickie Betts, the song was inspired by a 1951 song of the same name by Hank Williams. It is considerably more inspired by country music than other Allman Brothers band compositions, which made the group reluctant to record it. Guitarist Les Dudek provides guitar hom- harmonies, and it was one of bassist Barry Oakley's last contributions to the band. The song became the Allman Brothers Band's first and only top 10 single, peaking at number two on the Billboard Hot 100 chart and number 12 on the Easy Listening chart. Yeah, it's a piece of shit song. That's why I got it. That's why I was getting the pop chart, because it's not what the Allman Brothers are about. I don't see anything here about Marshall Tucker. I see that it was first created during songwriting sessions for Eat a Peach, an embryonic version referring to a rambling countryman can be heard on the bootleg The Gatlinburg Tapes. Nah, man, this song was written for another band. Featuring the band jamming on an off day in April 1971 in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. Betts continued to work on the song for a year, but the lyrics came together in as little as 20 minutes. I wrote Ramblin' Man in Barry Oakley's kitchen at the big house at about 4 in the morning. Everyone had gone to bed, but I was sitting up, said Betts in 2014. Trucks noted that the band acknowledged it was a good song, but were reluctant to record it as it sounded too country for them. I think uh, he was on a cocaine binge and he was saying, I'm a rambling man. Like he was just rambling on and on with his, with his nonsense. New member and keyboardist Chuck Levell enjoyed the song, noting it's definitely in the direction of country, but that don't, didn't bother me in the least. Yeah, Chuck Lavelle likes country. I think our attitude was, let's take this thing and make it as great as we can. The song was inspired as I said before, by a 1951 song of the same name. I don't see anything. Because Wikipedia ain't hip to the dip. Okay, and what was your dip again? Hold on, I'll tell you. Uh Uh-huh. Hold on. Capricorn executives were split between issuing Wasted Words or Ramblin' Man as the lead single. National Promotion Director Dick Woolley sent advanced tapes of Ramblin' Man to WQXIAM in Atlanta and WRKOAM in Boston radio stations and listener phone-in reaction was near phenomenal. Ramblin' Man broke hard rock barriers and became a hit on AM stations nationwide 
and it rose to number two on the Billboard Hot 100. It was prevented from topping the chart due to the success of Cher's Half-Breed. Johnny Sandlin, producer, who I worked with, oh. uh, who was also the drummer for the Almond Joys, which I is see. the Almond Brothers band before the Almond Brothers. I see. He said that it was crazy to be released as a single because nothing else sounded remotely similar to it, with the ex- possible exception of Blue Sky. And if you note, Blue Sky was the other song I was going to say was the worst Allman Brothers song as well. That is true. You were going to say that. Now, Dickie Betts is an okay second guitar player, mm-hmm. but he has no business writing songs for the Allman Brothers. Where is the Marshall Tucker thing you're talking about? Well, I'm getting to it. Okay. Very excited to hear that. Let's let's hear that. Wait, I might be wrong. Okay. Before tragically passing away from a self-inflicted gunshot wound, Allman Brothers band co-founder Butch Truck shared that they originally wanted to give their hit Ramble Man to Merle Haggard. Ah. The sound clashed with the band originally. Dickie figured it was too much country for the Allman Brothers, Truck said. We actually went to the studio to make a demo of that to send to Merle Haggard. At the time, Haggard was several years into his national success. The Allman Brothers, meanwhile, captured the critics, but not the charts. Giving the song to Haggard would have certainly ensured its success. But during the court recording session for the song, the musicianship got of the players took over. Then we got into the studio and we got into this big long jam at the end with all those guitar parts and everything, and we forgot about how country the song was. And then we and then wouldn't you know it, it becomes our only hit single. <laughs> there you go. So not Marshall Tucker, but Merle Haggard. Exactly. Well, there you go. Not on the wiki page at all. It's not an Alma Brothers st- style song, and it just happens to be so poppy that the, while they recorded it, and well, look what happened. They sold out, essentially. That's their sellout. That and Melissa. Sweet Melissa. That's all right. I mean, that's a, that's a love song. It's okay, but it's, it's, okay. Not, it's not what the... It's not... The Alma Brothers are about staying up all night at the Fillmore East with insane fucking jamming. That, that's what they are. Okay. It's not a rambling man. Well, what is their best then? Just to just so people know, their best is is their first album. Name a song that is the best of the Allman Brothers. Fucking uh, Trouble No More ain't my, uh, not my cross to bear. Okay. Ain't my cross to bear. Trouble No More ain't, ain't my cross to bear. The first two <laughs> songs on the album. Okay. All right. That shit was the shit, man. It sounded like it sounded like Santana meets the Grateful Dead. All right. So. You think Ramblin' Man, the worst of the best. Yeah, Ramblin' Man, Blue Sky, all that Dickie Betts bullshit. And they, uh, I saw Dickie Betts back, you know, at the Lone Star in the 80s, and he was fucking on fire. I'm not saying he's not an amazing guitar player. Just his songs writing is whack. Okay. Are you ready for the last song on our list? Are you over talking about the Allman Brothers? Yeah, I just remembered. Uh-oh. There are a couple of songs that uh, Don Johnson wrote with uh, Greg Allman, mm-hmm. and they're on Enlightened Rogues. Mm, that might... I'm not sure. I can't, I'd have to listen to those again. It is too late. Yeah. You've already picked saying, Ramblin' Man. When, when Don Johnson starts writing songs with Greg Allman, that's, that sounds like a lot of cocaine. Well, perhaps it was. Are you that ready? sounds like uh, okay. Cher was uh, in the not. other bedroom masturbating. Well, she was singing about being a half-breed. 
Yeah, half in the bed with Greg and the other half with Don. That's gross. Are you ready for the... You're saying they're two handsome men. I understand. (laughs) Thank you for saying that. I'm sure they're appreciated. Are you ready for the last song on our list? Yeah. Uh, You have mentioned before that this was a song for retards. Oh, this I wanna... uh, Oh, yeah? This one is The Beatles. Oh, British. And The Yellow Submarine. The Beatles, as they say in Japan, The Beatles. In the town where I was born Lived a man who sailed to sea And he told us of his life In the land of submarines So we sailed unto the sun Why is this a song for retards? Well, it's not a song for adults. I see. It's a chi- it's a children's song, I think. So <laughs> so why is it on an adult album about by a group that supposedly took LSD and changed you know modern culture? How uh, how are they so deep and groundbreaking? Yet this is their song. This is this is stupid. It's a stupid song. I love the Beatles, but this is a stupid song. This makes. Stepping Stone by the Monkees look like fucking Beethoven. I love the Monkees. A Stepping Stone is is like is like that. You'd be like, oh, I don't want my daughter to date the person who wrote Stepping Stone. He can date John Lennon. He he wrote, you know. Yellow, Yellow Submarine is like, oh, that's harmless. Stepping Stone, ooh, that guy's gonna impregnate my daughter. Yellow Submarine is a song by the English rock band The Beatles, written by Paul McCartney and John Lennon, with lead vocals by Ringo Starr. It was included on their 1966 album, Revolver, and issued as a single, coupled with Eleanor Rigby. All right, now look. That, what the fuck, man? What? Talk about night and day. Eleanor Rigby is one of the fucking most brilliant songs ever. It's deep as a motherfucker. It's so deep, it's ridiculous. How do you back that with Yellow Submarine? Yellow Submarine is for retards. Eleanor Rigby is genius. El- uh, Yellow Submarine is stupid. So I don't understand. You have a song that's for, you know, brilliant people, and then you have a song for retards, all on the same album. The single went to number one on every major British chart, remained, remained a number one for four weeks, and charted for 13 weeks. Can you imagine? They're, Although we like this song. This is really good. I make me feel happy. I like this song. It won an award for the highest certified sales of any single issued in the UK in 1966. And in the US, the song peaked at number two on the Billboard Hot 100 charts behind You Can't Hurry Love by the Supremes. And it became the most successful Beatles song to feature Star as lead vocalist. Ugh. Oh my God. So bad. It became. You know, as a kid, you kind of like it because you're a kid and you're a moron. But this is not for adults. 
It really isn't. Although intended as a nonsense song for children, Yellow Submarine received various social and political interpretations at the time of its release. Yeah, that's called smoking banana peels. By the way, Donovan's a pedophile. You know who else is a pedophile? Jonathan Brandis. He's Jonathan yeah. Brandis has passed away. Yeah, but but it's okay for him when he's eighteen to date a fifteen-year-old. Jonathan Brandis did. Well, yeah, he's dated some black chick, and you look at their age difference. In nineteen ninety-five, they were dating. She's fifteen. He's eighteen. I guarantee you, little Jonathan Brandis was a gay boy. Well, so, all I'm saying is, I mean, she, I'm he had an underage sure. beard. Well, that's, I mean, I don't know what to say about that, but well, I can... Well, that's, you know, I'm saying the victim right here is also the victimizer. The victim... Everyone's saying, oh, what a nice couple. Are they? Are they a nice couple? Are they? 18 and 15. Patrice O'Neill was put in jail for uh, 17 and 16. Nice couple. Think about it. <clears throat> Personally, I don't care if you're 18 and 15, but that's the law. 20 and 15, now that's pushing it. Paul did write this for Ringo, saying, I wrote it as not too rangy in the vocal. <laughs> Let's give it to the retard, John. That's, he could sing it. Then started making a story, sort of an ancient mariner, telling the young kids where he'd lived. It was pretty much my song, as I recall. I think John helped out. The lyrics got more and more obscure as it goes on, but the chorus, melody, and verses are mine. You know, guys, I really like that that ocean theme. I think we're going to do it again with Octopus's Garden. I'm going to sing that one too. The song began as being about different colored submarines, but evolved to include only a yellow one. You know what's a good song? Maxwell Silverhammer. Okay. All right. Not this. All right. So I feel like uh, that is the end of our list. Well, wait, I, got, I got an honorable mention here. I knew you'd have honorable mentions. Now, what the fuck is the song Bungalow Bill? Bungalow... Bill. Okay. And then once you tell me what that is, I want you to tell me a little about Britney Spears. And I'll tell you that whoever wrote Britney Spears' song ripped off Bungalow Bill. Hey, Bungalow Bill, what did you kill? Is that Beatles? It is. It's on the White Album. And then I want you to play... Hold on, Dave. Okay. Okay. Play that one. I'm happy to play things, but you must give me time. I will give you time. Here is Bungalow Bill. So here's Bungalow Bill. Now, why are you bringing up Britney Spears? Hey, 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 Bungalow Bill. Oops, I did it again. Oh. Some sort of fucking, uh, it's all a ripoff of uh, Middle Eastern Jewish music. Oops. Hey, I did it again. I bungalow build. I 
might be on something here, Dave. Yeah. I think you might be breaking news here. Yeah, you're not that innocent. You stole it from the Beatles. Well, I don't think she claims to have written it. And I got another one that's been stolen. Okay. Now, first of all, there's a song out there. I don't know who's doing it. Mm-hmm. Unless he's related to Bob Marley. I know he doesn't get a pass. But it's a complete ripoff of uh, No Woman, No Cry. It's on the charts right now. What is it called? I don't know. Uh, it starts out, I remember. See, No Woman, No Cry. I remember when we used to sing in the government yards of Trenchtown. And this one, I remember something, something. It's such a, such a ripoff of No Woman, No Cry. It's, it's blatant. It's not even, it's, it's obvious. Oh, shit. Is it Maroon 5? Is that Maroon 5? It's Maroon 5. Oh, shit. What a ripoff. Listen. This is okay. Listen, listen, listen when he gets into it. What a jive turkey. Here goes. What? No woman, no cry. Is that what you're saying? I remember the time we used to say. Uh, What's the song that you're saying by them? No woman, no cry. Okay. I, I'm so let me look and see if anybody I else is. When I used to sing in the government yards in Trenchtown. Let's see if Dude, anybody else has the. It's uh, fucked up. Yeah, it's already out there. It is? That Maroon 5 memory song is pure ripoff of No Woman, No Cry. They even have it on MTV. I mean, on YouTube. Uh, yeah, other people have said that too. Uh, here's something, I guess, playing both on YouTube. Memories times No Woman, No Cry. First time I heard it. Cheers to the wish you were here, but you're not Cause the drinks bring back all the memories Of everything we've been through Toast to the ones here today Toast to the ones that we lost on the way Cause the drinks bring back all the memories And the memories bring back, memories bring back your There's a time that I remember oh. When we used to sit <laughs> In the government yard in Such a ripoff. Well, there you go. I have to agree. This is a ripoff, and I agree with your other one that uh, the Britney Spears and B- Bungalow Bill. There's a whole website called ThatSongSoundsLike.com. Really? Mm-hmm. The Cranberries versus the Casting Crows. The Counting cast- Crows. It says casting. That's bizarre. 
I never heard of the casting crown. Oh, casting crowns. That's, oh, that's something different. That's my bad. Sorry. Uh, yellow card suing Juice World. Udo. Good luck with that one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they actually even show like uh, sheet music here. Interesting. Uh, C.C. Peniston versus Lizzo. I don't know who either of those are. I told you that fucking Lizzo. Absurd. Who's Lizzo? She checks her uh, hair toss. Oh, God. You did tell me about that the other day. She does her hair toss, checks her nails. Baby, how you doing? Travis Scott and DJ Paul settle $20 million 3-6 mafia copyright lawsuit. So it seems to me that people just willingly go ahead and rip shit off because the only thing that's going to happen is is that they're going to pay. And I bet that's insurance. That's some sort of insurance money. Did Ed Sheeran rip Shape of You chorus from Sammy Switch? I don't know about that. Lady Gaga sued for Shallow. So, hey, that's the whole website. You probably would like that website. That song sounds like. Hmm. Uh, all right. So this has been our episode, the Dave on the worst of the best. Uh, if you have a worst of the best suggestion, please feel free to let us know on Twitter. We are at middle aged. Cool. I got one more song that I'm surprised someone didn't sue someone over. All right. And that is, uh, the wreck of the Edmonds Fitzgerald is a ripoff of <laughs> You've Got to Pay the Dues If You Want to Play the Blues by Ringo Starr. All right. I will take that under advisement. We are not playing the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. That will add a half hour to this podcast. Uh, if you want to give us any of your suggestions, please feel free to do that. Uh, Middle Age Cool on Twitter and at Middle Age Cool Kids on Gab. Um, gab.com which is our favorite social media site uh, Gavin McInnes Gab not Gavin Oh, Gab and McInnes they should get together maybe they will this is the part where I am winding down and Dave is going to say a lot of more stuff I'm winding up uh-huh not gonna happen uh, all right so that is it for this week. Sorry the episode was a little late, but we did celebrate Dave's birthday with some cake and Italian food. Right? Yeah. Okay. Happy birthday, David. Yeah. Uh, anything, any last phrase or half a sentence you would like to say? Olivia Newton. All right. That's it for this week, people. Thanks for tuning in. Bye-bye, everybody.